Last week, whenever Eric was talking, his fourth point was make yourself suitable soil. And I was thinking about what is suitable soil? And <clears throat> the more that I thought about it, I thought about how when I come before the Lord and I'm unguarded, when I take off whatever facade I have, because did you notice each of them has had God in their life? But the most important thing that they presented was a facade. So tonight I just want to ask you some questions. I lead Brigade on Friday nights. It's on the first Friday of each month in my home. And I love to teach the word, but tonight I also love it when other people uh, help teach. And so tonight I'm going to ask some questions. I'm just going to share some really simple verses. And then I'm going to ask some questions. So Vikal, where are you? If you can come up here. And he'll, in a little bit, when we ask some questions, he'll just walk around. You can just sit down to where we ask the questions. <clears throat> Let me ask you, what does your carefully cultivated image look like? Is it veneer or is it solid? Because you want to have an intentional, you want to intentionally choose what you look like. Each of the people up here, do you guys know people like that? Yeah. So do I. Have you ever been a person like that? I have. I want to share a verse out of Matthew 18, 1 through 4. This is in the Amplified Bible. <clears throat> and it says, at that time, the disciples came up and asked Jesus, who then is really the greatest in the kingdom? And he called a little child to himself and put him in the midst of them. And he said, truly I say to you, unless you repent and become like little children, trusting, lowly, forgiving, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven at all. We all spend our lives trying to grow up, toughen up, act mature and independent, and now the word says we have to grow down. So I thought we'd just kind of talk about that tonight. Um, what are little children like? They're trusting. I'm just going to go with what it says in the Bible. Lowly, which is humble, loving, and forgiving. How many of you have ever had your trust broken by somebody? How many of you ever felt like you had your trust broken by God? Yeah, a few honest souls. So how did you rebuild your trust? That's a, just a question. What were some of the ways that you guys used to rebuild your trust? Vikal, this is where you stand up. So if you, if, and this is your cliff notes. We don't want your novel, okay? But how did you rebuild trust? The guy at the back? Uh, just constantly reminding myself that he will only give me um, what I can handle and that he wants what's best for me. Okay. 
Well, I did lose my trust in God, but as God looked at me, I grew back in a relationship with him and it helped me put more trust and straighten my life up with him. Okay, thanks. Right here. And then we're coming over here. I think for me, the first thing I had to do was just get honest and, and have an honest talk with God and tell him where I was at and tell him why I got there. And obviously he's gonna know, but I just find the more honest I am with him, that's like the first place to start. Just kind of take the trash out with him. Okay, and let me take it out. We've had three on God. For some of you, how did you rebuild trust with people? Because if you don't know how to do it on this level, you're probably not great at it on this level. Because if you can't do it with people you can see, it's kind of tough to do it with people you can't. Back here. This is the talking side tonight, huh? I would just say get real. I know like with siblings, I think in order to rebuild trust. You Hold the to, mic up to your hand. There you go. You have to really get real. Be honest about why your trust was broken. And from that point on, you can start rebuilding. Okay. Thank you. And then over here, Vakal. Um, I had to do a lot of forgiving. Forgiving? In, or, in order to walk forward. I had to forgive the old in order to be free. Okay. Um, well, for me, I know um, to rebuild trust with a certain person, I had to, what she said, I had to forgive. Um, first and foremost, it, it was really, it would be really hard for me to try to rebuild trust if I'm, you know, constantly bringing up past things or, you know, truly not forgiving the person. So that was a big thing for me. Okay. When you get the microphone, hold it like this close to your mouth. Right. For me, it was for people being true to their word and God showing himself being, being right. Okay. Thank you. Uh, for me, it was um, surrounding myself with people who could show me how to trust again and um, teach me how to do that. Okay. Sean Lawrence right here. For me, the tendency is as soon as someone breaks trust, I want to like cut them off entirely um, from life. And, and you can't just like give them the entire, you can't, when you want to bring them back into your life, you can't give them the whole road. Um, so you, you kind of learn how to give like boundaries. Like I'll trust you to this point and let's see how you do with that. I'll trust you at this point and like gradually let them into your life. Okay, how many of you can relate to that? Okay. David. I've been abandoned by almost every accountability partner I've ever had, so. <laughs> really, why would that be, David? <laughs> but um, I learned that I, I need to trust people. I have to have that community, and so I kept trying and eventually found Epic. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Okay. I have another question for you, because truth sets you free. And if you're going to rebuild trust, you have to walk in truth. If you're not good at that and you don't know how to do confrontation, confrontation is a skill. It, people aren't born being good at it, and some of us suck at it. So you just have to work on it. 
but it'll really set you free because you can rebuild any relationship if it means enough to you. Um, every single relationship that I have, there has been a point in that relationship when I was like, what the heaven was I thinking when I made you my friend? I've thought that about every single relationship. And I can promise you, they've thought that about me. <laughs> Don't laugh. Your friends think the same thing about you sometimes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about humility. How can you tell when someone's humble? Actions speak louder than words. So what kind of actions tell you that someone's humble? Being open, honest, genuine. Open, honest, and genuine personality. Okay. Thank you. When, when people are really see-through and you can, they let you see all of their crap, um, you've got to, and everybody's got tons of crap, so you've got to know that if they're really, really open, they're probably decently humble, or they've been humbled. And if you're a visitor tonight and you don't have any, we are so glad. Please rub off on us. Make us better. Okay, isn't it inter interesting? There were a lot of hands on uh, trust. There's two people who had something to say about humility. And humility is really at the core. There's one more person right back there. So if a thought comes to you, feel free to toss it out there. Humility is when you do what God tells you to do. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Awesome. All right. <laughs> humility is um, a person who respects a person who with different background, different race, different nationality, who could just respect them. Even if they're not a Christian, you can still love them because that's what Christ wants us to do. He tried to teach uh, um, his disciples how to respect the Gentiles, and that's humility. So. Okay, thank you. Vakal, go, go this way a little bit because we've been on this side for a little bit. Um, I spot humility by looking at their eyes directly and by looking at what their eyes yep. and I just I don't know I just that's how I can tell if someone's being humble or not and it's like the way it, it glows and the way it shines just it's an indicator yeah the Bible says that the, the eyes are the gate of the soul um, for me I it's when someone could bench 400 pounds no I'm just kidding um, it's uh, <laughs> It's Thank when you, Cody. It's when someone is actually good at something, but they're in a constant learning phase while they're still being, you know, able to be good at what they're doing. Yep. Um, I think it's, you can tell by the authenticity and the motives. Like if somebody, well, I'm on a tangent. Um, never mind, I lost my that's okay. Thanks for sharing that. Anybody else? Humility is when you... Hold the, hold the mic. Humility is asking for forgiveness when you were the one to break the trust. That's my humility. Yep. That's pretty powerful. Okay, some of you who are not talking, 
Raise your hands. I know you have great thoughts. Um, to me, when I see someone who's humble, to me it's someone who is able to be vulnerable and honest with who they really are. Um, and like he said, someone who's transparent and they're not really putting on a facade. They're just real. Okay. I think humility is not only, um, you know, being able to be transparent about all the bad stuff, but also just being who you are and all the good stuff as well and not shoving that under and pretending like you're not that wonderful, awesome person. That's also humility, so. That's good. All right, one more. Um, I think humility is basically getting on someone else's level, like understanding where someone else is because in order to kind of, you know, be humble, you have to kind of understand because everybody has different situations and stuff and is in different places. So being able to understand that. Okay. Now let me ask, I have a question for you, for you to answer for yourself. Um, how good are you at building trust? Because if you come to Brigade, I actually have little sheets that I hand out at the end. So you get a chance to actually figure out, write things down. I turn on music and it's you and God. How good are you at building trust? Are you an honest person? How authentic are you in your communication with people? How much do you self-disclose with your closest friends? Do you keep confidentiality? How humble are you? And I really liked, um, I liked everything that everybody said, but I think something that we don't pay very much attention to is what Nelda talked about. Because the more that you grow as a child, like I, I have a lot of short friends. If you look at my refrigerator, I think I have four families and I have two more upstairs. I just don't have the little magnets sticking on the refrigerator yet. I like short people because they're like, I had this little kid one time, he was sitting on my lap and, and I, he was sitting right here on my belly and he's looking at my face and he goes, where did you get all those mosquito bites? And his mom goes, oh, don't say that. And I'm like, why not? He wants to know. I love little kids. Because they're, you know, if, you know, if they can't figure something out, like, why don't you have any hair? Or little kids love to touch my head. They love to touch bald heads. I don't know why. But I just love having short friends because if they're happy with you, they're happy. Uh, Eric had the El Salvador meeting at my house this week. And Scarlett was downstairs, and somebody was taking awesome care of her, but I heard her start fussing, which I loved, because then I went down and got her and took her up to my room. And she, for those, if you're a visitor, she's four months old or five, but she's tiny. And I laid her down on the, the floor, and I just, her little head, she can't quite figure out where your face is all the time. So I just kept moving my face where she could see it. And she just smiled and smiled and smiled. And I thought, it does not get any better than this. Because she is who she is. That's what I love about little kids. 
how good are you at being who you are? Because for a lot of us, I can tell you for a lot of my life, I was very uncomfortable with who I was. There were so many things I didn't like about myself. I never liked my complexion much. I, I mean, I, the list was long. And I don't remember a whole lot of it anymore because I like myself so much better now. The more that you become whole, the more that you get to know God as your father, and the more that you fill your life with people who also know him as a son or a daughter, the more you should start liking yourself. Because if you're running around with a group of people and the longer you run with them, you still don't like who you are, you need to shake those folk and go find some people who know God. Um, so little kids are trusting, low, lowly, humble, loving, and forgiving. And the reason we've talked so much about this is because we love what God's doing in our fellowship and our family. And God's presence, he's all about love. I don't know what you've been taught about God, but at the bottom of everything, he just wants to be in relationship with you. You don't have to look like anyone else. You don't have to do what other people do. Because the longer you walk with him and the more you realize how much he loves you, whatever he wants you to do, you'll just end up doing. Because he loves you. It's so hard to be something different than what God wants me to be. It's so important that you begin to realize how much God loves you and that you find a way to develop intimacy with him. If you're a person who has a hard time with relationships, you probably don't have a very good idea of how much God loves you, because he does so much. I want to read Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. It says, watch what God does, and then you do it, like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you, Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. So I have another question for you. How extravagant are you in love? The cow? Oh, just going back to your other question, um, I don't think that you can love without being humble. You know, and I think there's a freedom in that humility and a vulnerability that it opens up you in a way that you are free to love yourself and others. But um, I think with love comes humility and Christ showed that, you know, to the depth. a great thought. Uh, love crushes you, in case you don't know that. If you really love people, it's going to crush you. <laughs> exactly. I have felt that way so many times. Because true love, if you look at the example that Christ gave us, he died. In every relationship I have, and I think I'm one of the richest people in the world. 
when it comes to relationships. I truly do. And in every relationship that has a lot of depth and meaning to me, I've had to die, and so have they. Eric Knopf and I are about as different as night and day. Um, he's a visionary, and he's always got, you know, three huge ideas that are amazing. And I have a visionary in me, and I love that, but I'm much more of an implementer. And when we first started becoming friends, um, those two things didn't mix that well because I don't think we trusted each other. And we had a couple of uh, conversations. We had one conversation in particular at Dos Coyotes on Broadway and 65th. And I walked into his car and he was done talking to me. But we had an awesome conversation after that. And we've learned to trust each other implicitly. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. Because there's no way that we could see what God's doing here if we hadn't worked really, really hard on our relationship. And I just want to encourage you, if you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, wow, I don't know if I'm very rich in relationships, I just want to encourage you, we can teach you how to do that. The longer that you come here, and if you do what is, gets shared, your relationships will grow. You'll change. You can't help it. That's just how God is. And that's what we're so committed to. Let me ask you, how do you watch what God does? Good question, huh? Look for the good in your life. Good answer. Yeah, I just need to share real quick about the love thing. Like, I feel like I've really fallen in love with this group in the last couple months, just watching all the changes in people. And um, man, the love that I have for this group—it's—it's it's just so addicting. It's in my head all the time. I'm praying for you guys so much, and I just. It's just so cool to be a part and watching and hearing all the individual stories. It's a pretty good answer for how you watch what God does. Because if you listen, and I just, I loved it when Sean Lawrence talked about testimonies. We're going to start actually having people give their testimonies. Um, and you'll be blown away at what's in our midst. Dominic? Through prayers that have been answered and experiences in your life? I think just through looking at the strength that God gives you and the words that he puts into your mouth when you ask for him. Thank you. Um, by being in a relationship with people, um, the longer you hang out with people, and especially in this community, um, it's so positive that as you change, you see other people change and you kind of feed off each other. As a, a common theme here is iron sharpens iron. And it's, uh, yeah, it's true, true here. Thanks for your answers.
See, I think sometimes we have to stop and realize it's really not about Eric Knopf or Sean Lawrence or Camille Knopf or whoever's up here at the microphone. You have your own message to speak. Speak it. Just try it. Try it a little bit. Just try that much. You'll see good things come out of it. Let me ask, and I would ask you not to tell like a long testimony. What have been the most powerful acts of love that you've personally experienced? Forgiveness. Forgiveness from other people when you know you've done something that was horrible. <laughs> Not not get, get, uh, giving up on me as many times as I've fallen. I think it's important to acknowledge people. So for me personally, I know Roman, this guy over here, the other Baldy, um, he's, he's spoken life into me so many times and that's really showed me love personally. You know, it's like going through college, it's been a rough time for me, you know, growing in relationships and whatnot. And when I'm broken, you know, He's the man to turn to, and with him, how God speaks through him and shows me love and just shows him that he's there for me and whatnot, it's, it's true love. I think the biggest thing is loving on the lost, um, winning souls, and going off and sharing how good God has been in your life and using that and being God's vessel and allowing him to use you so that just as he was patient with us and, you know, he waited for us to fully surrender to him, he uses us as his sons and daughters in order to go off and love on the lost and show them the love of Christ that is within us. And just as he pours into us, we pour out into others. Okay. The cow look for people who haven't talked. Um, my roommate actually, it was in like October or November, she cleaned my room and some people will probably get kind of creeped out by that, but I was so blessed because I just kind of needed that extra push to kind of start getting organized in my life and it really was a blessing and it was just an act of God and an, an act of selfless love, so. Right behind you. Just for, uh, just to seeing God's love through others. How people are just selfless and forgive others, and it's just really cool to see how God can rub off on others, and then they do the same. Okay, thanks. Anybody else who hasn't shared? Uh, for me, uh, one of the most powerful acts of love has come from my parents, because I've been very blessed for having parents that support me financially and can be there at a drop of a pin if I need them, so. Thank you. Uh, one of the uh, things that uh, I remember from my past that really showed love to me was a couple years ago, several years ago actually, I went to Ecuador and uh, we had these little bracelets and I gave it to one of these kids at one of the nights at the Crusades. That kid followed me around for the rest of the night. Like, he would not leave me alone, and he was so obsessed with how much he loved me just because of that one simple gift. Yeah, thank you. 
Aren't these good? You guys can get these kinds of sermons all the time if you'll talk to each other on an authentic level. As an example, uh, being uh, adopted as a child and uh, having two, and God putting two parents in my life that uh, just changed it, you know, made it wonderful. So, yeah, like that. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'd say um, the personal experience would be having faithful friends to be there for me time in and time out again through the hard times and the good times. I mean, I can make li lists and lists of everything I'm thankful for and how people have stepped out and, you know, poured into my life, my Bible. I mean, just all the people, my friends being there for me. It's just, yeah, it's really um, powerful. Thank you. When he pulls us out of our sinful actions, um, just being able to come out of, I was in a very bad relationship and it's something that I loved in my sinful flesh and the fact that he pulled me out of it and pulled me closer to him. Just knowing that I loved it and knowing that, that it was something that I wanted but still pulling me away from that and pulling me closer to him really, really was big. Thank you. I have a friend who, oh, it's really loud, um, who I was going through some hard times and she would encourage me, um, write letters, pray for me, call me. And even though nothing was happening in my life, like I had no news for her, she would still do the same thing over and over again. This went on for like a couple years. I would just get notes from her in the mail and birthday cards and it was just super powerful. And then um, when I finally came back to church again, I called her up and said, thank you so much for all those years of praying for me and being there for me, encouraging me. Thank you. Um, I think sacrifice is when I've seen uh, the most powerful acts of love, just when others have sacrificed for me or anyone else. Amber Will right there. Oh, I thought you had your hand up. Okay, I just want to encourage you guys, talk to each other, share your lives. Because this kind of, doesn't it feel good to hear all the things that people are talking about? It's really powerful. Speak, each of you has a microphone. The last thing I wanted to kind of look at tonight, because my heart for us um, I'm probably easily 25 years older than most of you. I'm 56. Um, and my heart for you guys is that you'll open your lives up to God and that you'll become unguarded. I waited so many years to do that. And really, it was about five years ago. I mean, I've been a Christian. I'm a PK, preacher's kid been all my life. I've been in church all my life, but I was pretty powerless. And it was about five years ago that some things clicked into place because I chose to become completely unguarded. And God told me, if you want your life to completely radically change, you have to tell, and this dude's name was Chad, you have to tell Chad everything. And from the time I made a commitment to do that until, until now, it's been an amazing, wild, crazy adventure. Embarrassing a lot of times, because some of the stuff I had to tell was totally humiliating. 
and embarrassing, but this guy never blinked. And he would uh, let me, he'd tell me the truth, but he'd also tell me all kinds of awesome things about myself that I couldn't quite get. And I've, I'm doing a lot better at getting those today. Um, the last set of verses that I just want to share with you tonight is Hebrews 12, 4 through 11. This is from the Message Bible. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you, to say nothing of what Jesus went through, all of that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves, or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? My dear ch child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God's educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training, the normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. This morning in my quiet time, and I just thought of it, um, I felt like the Holy Spirit was, I didn't even tie these together, was telling me, uh, go to First Kings. And I'm like, First Kings? That's kind of weird. And um, it talks about King David's son, Adonijah. King David had two sons, Absalom and Adonijah. They both died, and this is the reason. Um, it talks about the beginning of it, of Ad, what led to Adonijah's death. In verse 6, 1 Kings 1, 6 says, his father had never interfered with him by asking, why do you behave as you do? So I just want to leave you with that thought tonight. What, I want, what I'm trying to encourage you to do is open your hearts. Open your lives. Talk to the person next to you. Don't just come here, skate in at the last moment, sit on the back seat, zip out the minute it's over. Share your lives with each other. Because to the level that you're willing to do that here, to, the level, to that level, you'll also see God do some amazing things in your life. And the other thing I want to encourage you to do is to take into your heart the things that are said. If it's been weeks since you felt the Holy Spirit go, why do you do that? Like, I get it daily. <laughs> because I have kind of a strong personality. In fact, I was driving to Eric's office today to print some stuff. And this lady literally, she came up beside me and she looked me in the eye and then ran me off the road. And I was in a rental car, but it made me so mad. 
so mad. Um, no humility whatsoever. I mean, these are the thoughts that I went through my head. I'm in a rental car. I would have to pay a $500 deductible, and I don't want to pay that because I, I already have to pay it on my other car. Those are all the thoughts I had because that was a good reason not to just stay the course. Oh, yeah? Because those of you who know me know it's, I just I don't like being pushed around. <laughs> and so I'm, I, she goes ahead of me, mainly because she literally ran me off the road. And I'm like, Jesus, I am so jacked up. And in about six hours, I have to be a real Christian. Help me. <laughs> So I have a question for you. How often do you let the Holy Spirit speak to you? And the band can come back up. By the way, I love the song you guys sang about the kingdom because we're not necessarily interested in having a temple here where the Sadducees and the Pharisees feel comfortable. We're interested in having a family in the kingdom of God where we walk in power and authority as believers and sons and daughters, and we're getting stronger and stronger in our spiritual muscle. That's what we're after. And that will never happen if you don't let the Holy Spirit speak to you about yourself. And a lot of times, that's gonna be even sometimes like Balaam's ass turned around and talked to him finally because he wouldn't listen to the Holy Spirit. Some of you will have an ass who will come and speak to you, and you're like, I don't know who you think you are. So I just want to encourage you, you'll want to listen when the ass speaks. If I offended you, I'm talking in the King James Version now. You can find it in the Bible. So I want to encourage you. Um, the other verse that I want to read before we spend some time in worship, because worship is really when you see what, where are you at with opening yourself. Tonight, when we were worshiping, I wasn't thinking about what I was going to say or what you guys were doing or what you might think. I was just worshiping. Because I find that when I worship, when it's time to do anything else, I'm a better person because I just spent time telling my daddy that I love him and feeling that same thing coming back to me more powerfully than I tell him. This is what I want to encourage us to do as we go back into worship. If you're a person who feels uncomfortable worshiping, um, the way you see other people around you, don't worry about it. I want to encourage you to kind of stretch yourself Actually, I know that many of you probably think that everyone's watching you to see how you're worshiping, and I have a news flash for you. No one's looking at you. We don't care how you worship. We're not going to think how weird you look or anything like that. So uh, stop thinking like that. Let me read 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I want to pull that apart just a little bit. 
it says, we who with unveiled faces, that means your guard's down. You don't belong in the guys who tried to grab the microphone to give their testimony. Isn't it embarrassing when you hear people who have those attitudes and then they start talking about God in your workplace? I just want to go, could you shut up? Or, you know, you'll hear all that and then you go out and we're all getting in our cars in the parking lot and theirs is the one with all the Christian bumper stickers and three fish on the back. And you're like... But when I come in with an unveiled face, I reflect the Lord's glory, and it transforms me into his likeness. If you want to be different, just come, in, come before the Lord. Come before his people. Sometimes people tell me, I don't feel comfortable with Christians. And I just want to encourage you to buck up a little bit, because if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to spend eternity with them. I didn't feel comfortable with Christians for a while either when I came back to the Lord because I just had so much stuff in me that didn't really look like one. And I was afraid of what they'd think. But anyone who knows the Lord is not going to be shocked or anything by what you do. I never hear a story that I don't think I could do that. I led a Bible study in North Dakota a long time ago. And I would listen to their stories, and I thought I could do that. In college one time, one of my buddies made fun of me, and he didn't think I saw him. Uh, he thought my back was turned, and it was, and I happened to turn around, and I caught it. And I literally had to leave my books in the room and go home because I wanted to kill him. Because that's how deep in the knife went. So when I went in the North Dakota Penitentiary, I didn't have a problem with anything they did because that's only behavior. We have an identity that's completely separate from our behavior. And the more I focus on that identity, the more my behavior changes. You can't focus, I wish I didn't do this and I wish I didn't do that. No, I just want to know my daddy because the more I hear his voice, the more I act like him. So I just want to encourage you. A lot of times people come up front and worship. I've been encouraging some of my friends to do that because it breaks down walls inside you. I encourage you to raise your hands sometimes and worship. It's a sign of surrender. That's all it means. It's understood all over the world. Whatever is meaningful to you, just worship during this time. Unveil your heart before the Lord. Because I promise you, if you'll keep coming and you'll keep doing that before people and before the Lord, every dream that God's put inside you can come true. I promise. So let's just spend some time in worship tonight. <laughs> 